0: You are listening to the Mystical City of God in Europe podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, And there you'll find the Mystical City of God in your podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sore Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 333. We are reading from volume 4, book 8, chapter 6, paragraphs 480 to 488. Chapter 6. The visit of the Most Blessed Mary to the holy places. She gains mysterious triumphs over the demons. She sees the divinity in heaven by a beatific vision. The apostles convoke a council. The hidden mysteries connected with all these events. 480. All our efforts are gloriously insufficient to describe the plenitude of perfection of all the doings of the Most Blessed Mary. For unfailingly are we overcome by the grandeur of even the smallest virtue, if indeed there be any of them small, when we come to consider the matter upon which she wrought them. But our efforts shall always be full of blessings for us. If, without presumptuously attempting to fathom this ocean of grace, we humble ourselves to glorify and exalt in her, the Creator, and to discover more and more in what we can imitate her, I shall esteem myself very fortunate. If, by making known the favors conferred by God upon our great queen, I can show to the children of the church something of what is so far above, that, for which I cannot, find adequate and appropriate terms to describe. For, in all that I can say, I shall still speak as one that is dull, stuttering, and without fervor of devotion. Wonderful are the events which have been manifested to me for the purpose of being recorded in this and the following chapters. 481. After the Most Blessed Mary had complied obediently with the will of St. Peter, as I have related in the preceding chapter, she thought it proper to satisfy her piety in visiting the sacred spots of our redemption. She performed all her works of mercy with such prudence that she omitted none, assigning to each one its place in order that no circumstance necessary to bring it to perfection might be wanting. Applying her heavenly wisdom, she first performed that which was greater and foremost in order, that, w- what seemed of less importance, but as well as one as the other, with all the attention of her soul and the measure as each required, she left the Senacle to visit the most sacred places and was accompanied by all her holy angels, as well as followed up by Lucifer and his legions for further conflict. These dragons, forming in battle array and presenting the most fearful shapes uttered their threats, and suggested their temptations. But as soon as the Great Lady approached any of the holy places to perform her devotions, the demons fell back, repelled by divine power. They also felt themselves crushed by the hidden virtue communicated to these holy places through the redemption of Christ. Lucifer, urged on by the temerity of his pride, attempted to come near. For relying upon his permission to tempt and persecute the Great Lady, he was anxious if possible, to gain some victory over her in the very places where he had been so signally vanquished, or at least to hinder her from showing the veneration and worship required. 482. But the Most High ordained that the power of his arm against Lucifer and his demon should be shown through this very queen, and that her exercises which he tried to disturb should be the sword with which he was to be overcome and cut down. And thus it happened for the devotion and piety with which the Heavenly Mother worshipped her divine Son, and with which she renewed the grateful remembrance of the Passion, caused such terror to the demons, that they could not tolerate it, and they felt a force so oppressive and tormenting proceeding from her, and that they were obliged to recede still farther from the invincible Queen." They broke out into fearful roarings, audible to her alone, and they exclaimed, Let us fly from this woman, our enemy, who so confounds and oppresses us by her virtues. We seek to blot out the remembrance and the veneration of these places, in which men were redeemed, and in which we were despoiled of our dominion. And this woman, being a mere creature, hinders our designs, and renews the triumphs gained by the Son upon the cross. 483. The Most Holy Mary made all the stations of the holy places in company of her angels, and having arrived on Mount Olivet, where her son ascended into heaven, the Lord himself in effable beauty and glory descended from his throne to visit and console his most pure mother. He manifested himself to her with the affection and bounty of a son, yet as the infinite and powerful God. He so filled her with his divinity and elevated her above the terrestrial that for a long time she was separated from visible things, And though she ceased not to attend to external works, she performed them with a greater constraint upon herself, being completely spiritualized and transformed into her divine Son. Through her divine Son, she perceived that these favors were part of her reward for her humility and obedience towards St. Peter, in attending upon his commands and preference, not only to her devotion, but also her convenience. He also promised her anew his assistance in her battle against the demons, and in immediate fulfillment of this promise, the Lord ordained that Lucifer and his host should then, and there, become convinced of a power in her such as they had not experienced before. 484. The queen returned to the cenacle, and as the demons again sought to renew their temptations, they rebounded like inflated rubber balls when thrown swiftly at a stone wall. These vain-glorious hosts were hurled back upon themselves with greater force than that which they had assaulted the Most Holy Mary. They broke out in a still more furious howlings, and, driven to confess certain truths by their own dismay, they said, O oh, we unhappy ones who are obliged to look upon such happiness of the human nature! What great excellence and dignity man has now attained in this pure creature! How ungrateful shall men be! And how foolish if they do not profit by the blessings bestowed upon them in this daughter of Adam!" She is truly its salvation and our destruction. Great things her son does with her, but she is not unworthy of them. A cruel punishment is this, that we must confess all these truths. Oh, would that God conceal from us this woman, who adds such torments to our envy! How shall we vanquish her if the mere sight of her is insufferable to us? Let us console ourselves in the fact that men lose so much of what this woman merits for them, and that they foolishly despise her. In them shall we avenge our injuries. Through them we shall exercise our fury, filling them with illusions and errors. For if they but pay attention to the example of all them, would profit by this woman and follow her virtues. But this is not enough to console me, added Lucifer. For this woman, his mother, can please God more than all the sins we can lead men into shall displease him. And even if this were not so, my position does not permit me to remain indifferent at seeing human nature so highly exalted. In a mere weak woman. This wrong is unbearable. Let us return to persecute her. Let us give vent to the fury of our envy, even in spite of torment. And though we all suffer by it, let our pride not be dismayed, for possibly some triumph may yet be gained over this our enemy. 485. The most blessed Mary knew of and heard of all these wrathful threats, but as the queen of virtues she despised them all. Without the least sign of disturbance in her countenance, she retired to her oratory in order to prudently to confer with herself concerning the mysteries of this conflict and concerning the difficult business now before the church in seeking to end circumcision and the ancient law. In this, the queen of angels labored for a few days, engaged during her retirement in continual prayers, petitions, tears, and prostrations. In her own affairs, she also asked the Lord to stretch out his almighty arm against Lucifer, and grant her the victory over him and the demons. Although the great lady knew him to be on her side, and that he would not leave her in tribulation, she ceased not her prayers, and she acted on her part as if she had been the weakest of creatures in time of temptation. She taught us what we ourselves should do in temptation, since we are so subject to them, and so apt to be overcome. She prayed for the Holy Church, asking the Lord to grant to it his evangelical law, pure, unsullied, Without wrinkle and unhampered by the ancient ceremonies. 486. This petition the Most Blessed Mary urged with the most burning fervour, for she knew that Lucifer and all hell sought through the Jews to unite circumcision with baptism, and the rites of Moses with the truths of the gospel. The admission of these fallacies would help to maintain the Jews in their stubborn adhesion to the old law during the coming ages. One of the fruits of the triumphs of the great lady in her battle with the dragon was that circumcision was immediately rejected by the council, of which I shall speak, and from that time on the pure grain of evangelical truth was separated from the dried and barren stubble of the mosaic ceremonies, as it is to this day in our Holy Mother of the Church. All this the Most Blessed Mary procured through her merits and her prayers, she knew in the meanwhile that St. Paul and St. Barnaby were hastening from Antioch to Jerusalem in order to confer with St. Peter. And as related by St. Luke in the 15th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, solved the difficulties raised by the Jews. 4.87 St. Paul and St. Barnaby were aware of the return of the Queen of Heaven when they came to Jerusalem. In his ardent desire of seeing her, St. Paul, with St. Barnaby at once, sought her presence, and they cast themselves at her feet, shedding abundant tears of joy. Not less was the joy of the Heavenly Mother at meeting these apostles, toward whom she bore a special love in the Lord on account of their zealous labors for the exaltation of God's name and the spread of the faith. The mistress of the humble desired them to present themselves first to St. Peter and the rest and last to her, judging herself to be the least of all creatures." But they, preserving the proper order in their reverence and love, thought that none should be preferred to her who was the Mother of God, the Mistress of all creation, and the beginning of all our happiness. The great lady prostrated herself before St. Paul and Barnaby, kissed their hands, and asked of their blessing. On this occasion, St. Paul was favoured with a wonderful ecstatic abstraction, in which were revealed to him great mysteries and prerogatives of this mystical city of God, the Blessed Mary, and he saw her as it were completely invested with the divinity. 4.88 Through this vision, St. Paul was filled with admiration and incomparable love and veneration for the heavenly Mary. Somewhat recovering himself, he said to her, Mother of all piety and clemency, Pardon this vile and sinful man for having persecuted thy divine Son, my Lord, and his holy Church. The virgin mother answered and said, Paul, servant of the Most High, If he who created and redeemed thee deigned to call thee to his friendship and made thee a vessel of election, how can I, his slave, refuse to pardon thee? Acts 9.15 My soul magnifies and exalts him because he wished to manifest himself so powerful, liberal, and holy in thee. St. Paul thanked the Heavenly Mother for the benefit of his conversion and for the other favors conferred upon him by her in saving him from so many dangers. The same, also St. Barnaby did, and both again asked for her protection and help, which the Most Holy Mary promised. This concludes our reading today for day number 333. We've been reading from volume 4, book 8, chapter 6, paragraphs 480 to 488. One of the great themes of the four volumes that we've been reading has been Mary's relationship and power over evil. And it's there again in our reading today. And one of the things we heard today was that the remembrance of the passion caused such terror to the demons that they could not tolerate it, and they felt a force so oppressive and tormenting proceeding from her. So Mary's reflecting on the passion and death of Jesus, and that's causing a great disturbance to the force of evil that is surrounding the early church. We think about our season of Lent, and during Lent we pray the Stations of the Cross. And what is the Stations of the Cross? But a continual remembrance of the Passion of Jesus. We pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, for the sake of his sorrowful Passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. So it seems like it would be good for us to reflect often about the passion of Jesus. And in a not approved apparition of Our Lady in Garamondal, that is one thing she said. She said, meditate often on the passion. And in that apparition then, perhaps Our Lady was communicating something that Maria Vagarda already was told many, many years previous. We also heard that the evil one says that even the mere sight of her is insufferable to us. I've said this before, I know, but the power of the name of Mary, according to exorcists, but now even the very image of Our Lady. Now, of course, Our Lady isn't physically present here with us, but I wonder if the same is true, that in the home where there is a statue or a picture of Our Lady, how insufferable it is to the demon to see Our Lady, and that they flee at the mere sight of her. And then we're told, if they but pay attention to her example, all of them would profit by this woman and follow her virtues. Well, that's something that we should do. And so for us, as we come to the close of another year in just a few weeks, well, let us look to our lady who is held up as an example to us during the season of Advent. Let us look to her example. Let us Meditate about it. Let us examine her virtues and then begin to live them because how much profit there would be for us if we were to do that. And then finally, this was something that I mused about previously when we read about the conversion of St. Paul, but I always have been anticipating when St. Paul would see Our Lady. And so here he is in our reading today. He bends down at her feet, professes his sorrow, and we see that Mary is able to forgive and that Mary points us to her son Jesus and says, My son called you. How could I hold anything against you then? Mary prays for all the members of the church, it says at the very end, and we ask her today to pray for our protection